Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, babies in their diapers, welcome to the Tiberius Show with your host, Tiberius Boy! That's me, Tiberius! Welcome to the Tiberius Show today, and I'm your host, Tiberius Boy! And as always, we're looking at various jobs and how they affect the world around us. Today's is going to be very interesting. We're going to talk to a content producer for commercials and TV shows. Do you have any idea what a content producer does? Well, neither do I, so let's find out. Let me introduce our next guest, the one, the only, the amazing, Rebecca Chandler! Hey! How's it going? Happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being on the show. Fantastic. I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Nice to meet you. Okay, so you're listed as a content producer for commercials and TV shows. For Melissa's, I have no idea. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, so I'm an executive producer for content. So basically what that means is that I am responsible for managing the entire project from end to end. That could be a TV show, a feature film, a commercial, whatever. And that means I control the financial, schedule, legal, and part of the creative process from beginning to end. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the boss at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So when you produce this content, are you provided with a starting point or do you make have to make everything up yourself? It depends. Sometimes I'm part of the team that be, that starts with the idea. I want to make a documentary about dogs. Then we start to put it together and write it together. Sometimes I'm given a script and I'm told to pro- get it produced, get it done. So it really just depends on, on who I'm working with and, and what they need from me. And uh, it can go many different ways. Okay, so where do you get your ideas from? Like, do you have to do research? Loads of research. No matter what you do in storytelling, research is number one. So if you want to write a film about dogs or you want to create a podcast, as you know, you've got to do loads of research to make sure the story makes sense mm-hmm. so that other people want to follow it. Mm-hmm. So what got you interested in content production? I love storytelling. And when I was really young, I was about 20 years old and I got my first job in advertising. And I love stories. If it's a commercial or a documentary or a feature film, I just love storytelling. So it made sense for me. Okay. So how long have you been doing this? I've been in this business for about 33 years, which feels like forever. But what's fun about this business and the film business, TV business, content business is it's always evolving. And it's always new and exciting, either be like TikTok is new or a new camera comes mm-hmm. out. So it keeps it really fresh and fun. Okay. So when did you know that this was the job for you? Really early. My first job, really. I knew within a couple of months, like I really wanted to get to know what it took to create great stories and how to produce them and, and bring all the pieces together. And it really, uh, I totally enjoyed it. Okay, so how long does it take to produce the content for, say, like a 30-second commercial? A 30-second commercial could take uh, anywhere. Let's say it's a brand like Coca-Cola, for example. A 30-second commercial for Coca-Cola, that could take anywhere between a month to six months to create. It depends on how complicated the commercial is and who's in it. So if it's just going outside with a camera, that's easier than if it's special effects. If I'm working with a famous celebrity and I have to wait for four months until they're available, that's longer than if I have 
a normal cast that I just find through casting. So, wow. So, yeah. do you have to produce the entire story at once, or do you just do it in steps? Every production goes in steps. So you have like the prep phase, the filming phase, and the editing phase, and the completion phase. Um, and that can that can be over a couple of days, or it can be over a couple of months. And for feature films, it could take a couple of years before the film was actually ready. Mm. Now, my dad told you that you started your own company called the Chandler Group and that you are a global content consultant. Well, how is that different from being a content producer? That's such a great question. So what I did is I converted my producer skills into a consulting career because I got kind of tired of being on film sets for 20 hours a day as an executive producer. So I wanted to get into consulting. And what I do now is I work with big global brands like Coke and others and I give them advice about how to create content and how to produce that content effectively and intelligently. Mm -hmm. So what are the type of content that you have created? I've produced feature films, documentaries, music videos, commercials, and all kinds of social contents, as you can imagine. Uh, my favorite format is a documentary because I love research. I'm a complete nerd when it comes to that stuff. I love to read and get information. So I love the discipline of, of documentaries and how much work it takes to put a story together. Mm -hmm. Well, have you done anything with like any big name companies? I do a lot of work with Coke. I've done work with Nike. Um, I've worked on a Netflix feature film. Nice. I worked, I've consulted for Meta. Uh, on the metaverse, stuff like that. So, yeah, I've had a good time. It's been fun. Mm -hmm. So how does being a content producer make the world a better place? I think stories are essential. And I think that if you look at cave paintings on a cave somewhere that are thousands of years old until today, if you look at TikTok, everyone's always tried to tell a story, right? And how mm -hmm. we tell the story has changed. We don't paint in caves anymore. We record them with our phone. But I think that storytelling is essential to culture and to how we get to know each other and how we treat each other. So I think that storytelling is really important and I'm glad I'm part of it. Mm -hmm. Well, now here seems like a good take a quick, a quick commercial break. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Oak Ridge Gun Range is a family-oriented shooting range that has been in business for over 30 years. They specialize in basic firearm training and offer numerous services such as consignments, gun trades, gunsmithing, and concealed weapon classes. I even got my training for gun safety at Oak Ridge Gun Range. Great customer service and firearm safety is what they do best. So find out more at OakRidgeGunRange.com. And we are back here talking with Rebecca Chandler. And Rebecca is a global content consultant and an author. So, Rebecca, you have this passion for content production. So what got you so interested in putting these kinds of projects together? I love the complexity of storytelling. So I love figuring out when someone brings a script to me and it's, you know, 120 pages, 120 minutes, and they say we want to get this done. I love the complication of it and being able to pull it all apart and create a, a, a roadmap as to how to get it done. So that's, I really love the challenge of it. And I love the people that I get to work with. The people are incredible. Mm -hmm. So what's the best part about doing this job? 
getting to see the world. I've been able to see over a hundred countries. I've lived in Africa, the Middle East and Asia and America. So I'm very lucky. And I think it's one of the few career paths you can choose where you get to say that. Wow. So what's that one project that you will never forget? Uh, I was able to help write and produce an undercover documentary that we filmed in Africa about um, how people were being treated based on um, the lifestyle they chose to live. And, um, and it was really interesting and heartwarming to get to interview people one-on-one -on -one and to hear their stories and their struggles. And I'll never forget that project. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. So does it take a lot of training to be able to be a contact consultant? I think it's more experience than training. I think that the fundamentals of producing are you have to be good with math. You have basic math. You have to be able to plan and see ahead of things more than anyone else. And you have to be able to communicate. Um, and so all of those production-related talents that I crafted, I put that into consulting. Mm -hmm. So what's the hardest part about doing this type of work? By far the hardest part is to try to convince, let's say, a crew of 100 people and your clients and everybody else involved to follow your vision and to follow your roadmap to get to completion. And so you have to be able to listen and you have to be able to find ways to convince people to agree when they want to disagree. And you have to be able to always, always, always prioritize the creative more than anything else. And sometimes that's hard to do when it's just easier to say, let's just skip that shot. It's too hard to get it done. And you have to always remind yourself it's about the storytelling and keep the storytelling first. Mm -hmm. so. so what's the most misunderstood part about this business? I think that... By and large, my friends and my family kind of think that I have this really exotic kind of career where I've been all over the world and it's amazing. And I was just, I just happened to be in Nigeria and Egypt a few weeks ago filming. And I spent every day on set for 18 to 24 hours. So, so yes, the career is interesting and yes, it's fulfilling and it's fun, but film, any kind of content creation and film production is, it can be really hard work and long days. So, you know, if I was shooting seven days in a row in Nigeria and then seven days in a row in Cairo, every day was a 20 hour day. So mm -hmm. I'll work 140 hours where most people work 160 hours in a month. I've done it in a week. So it's, it's yeah. So the hours can be brutal in film and the demands on your time can be really brutal. Mm -hmm. So what's the craziest thing that's happened while you were doing your passion? I mean, I was in an airplane, a really old airplane once flying into the Golden Triangle in Asia and the airplane was so old it had some holes in the fuselage and it had no seats. So the so the pilot put these uh, plastic garden chairs in the plane and he tied them down to the fuselage with rope and those were our seats and we were had to take off off of this dirt runway out of the middle of the jungle. And the pilot said, look, the plane's going to nosedive for the first 30 seconds after we take off, and then we'll, we'll level out. But just know you're going to be going straight down for like 30 seconds, but don't worry, it's fine. And it was fine, but that was probably the most complicated shoot I think I've ever had. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. 
Okay, so what's the story of that one client that you will never forget? Oh, <laughs> I think the one client I'm never gonna forget. It's this, I won't say who they were with. They're probably still there, but it was the it was it was a woman, and she was convinced that everything that she said was true, and it was perfect. And so she would say, I would say, we need ten days to prep for that. She'd say, No, you have one day. And that would be the end of the conversation. You're like, no, actually, it's going to take four days to build the set and four days to paint it. So we need 10 days. No, you need one day. And she was just so detached from reality most of the time <laughs> that I learned to ignore her. And I just said, oh, right, okay, it's one day. And I would just go take the 10 days and never talk to her. But I just like learned to completely ignore everything she said. And everyone, everyone just was fascinated by the fact that I didn't, she would come and say things to me in the middle of a film shoot. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And I would completely ignore what she had said because it was nonsense. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So what advice should you give to my listeners if they wanted to go up and be a content producer? Um, study hard, learn how to write a really effective email, learn how to schedule learn how to budget and use Excel. These are basic skills, right? These are not overly complicated skills. Learn a little bit about storytelling, read, read, and read, and read, and read. Um, always be reading, always be looking for a new story, a book, a play, an article, and be really curious. You have to be curious to be a great producer because when someone comes to you and says, we want to put a car on a helicopter and land it in the middle of the ocean, you have to be really curious and be like, hmm, okay, well, how am I gonna do that? You can't say no. There's no such thing as no in production. There's only, sure, we'll figure that out. Okay, so in order to answer that question, you just put a car on top of a helicopter and just land it on the ocean. Sure. So <laughs> so what, what would I do? Like, I would immediately think, Crane well, on car on helicopter. Do I have to do it at all? Do I do it as CGI completely? And mm. if the client said, yeah, it has to be our car on a helicopter. Okay. Where in the world can I put a floating platform in the ocean legally? And where can I get a sexy helicopter that looks pretty? And how do I, where is the car? Is the car being built in Germany and I have to shoot it in Tahiti? How do I get it there? And what is the weight of the car on the platform? And how much buoyancy does a platform have to have to keep the car up? And like, there's all these kinds of questions start to go, well, what, and what happens to the car when we're done? How do we get it off? Yeah. It's like, yeah. You, it's like you, yeah. you have to put it on top of the helicopter. Right. Like, I mean, I'm it's saying like a mount maybe. And it's like crane it down. I'm not sure, but. Still, Not sure, but it's a great like. You get the strangest requests as a producer, and your job is always to say, "Yeah, let me figure that out. No problem." Yeah. So it says in your bio that you're an author and wrote a book about getting hurt by a family member. Could you tell me yeah. more about that? Yeah, I wrote my memoir, uh, and uh, it's a story about getting hurt as a young kid, and and my parents' divorce, and then how I. Uh, when I was an adult, how I sought help and healing for that. Mm -hmm. So did you tell anyone in your family that someone was hurting you? I did not. I didn't tell anyone in my family what happened until I was about 19 years old. 
Wow. So how'd you get the person to stop? I There was one night when I was 13 years old. Uh, I started being hurt when I was quite young. I was five. And when I was 13, mm -hmm. there was one night when that person tried to hurt me again. And I said, something in my body said, no, no more. And I actually physically pushed that person away from me. And then I threatened them. <laughs> so I just said, you know, you're never going to hurt me ever again. That kind of thing. Mm. And that ended it. That was completely, that was the end of it. Okay. So who helped you pass the trauma of the situation? I had a lot of help from therapists, different kinds of therapists. Yeah. And I had to really kind of count on myself to get help and to make the help happen and to keep getting help. I mean, healing doesn't happen in one time. It happens over many different times. So, uh, you know, I just, you have to keep wanting to get better, keep mm -hmm. working at it. So did dealing with your trauma help you become a better writer? I think I wrote my book to improve my healing, right? I think I, my book, writing my book was part of my healing journey. I'll say that way. Um, and I think, I think being able to express yourself creatively, however you do it, painting, writing, sculpture, dance, whatever it is, is always a really important part of anyone's healing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think your creativity is really what your body hangs on to the most when it wants to feel good and to feel safe. Mm. So the name of your book is It Won't Hurt None. Well, that's a pretty interesting title. How'd you come up with it? Um, that was a phrase that the person who was hurting me used to say to me. And it just, I'll never forget that phrase. And so I thought that I would put it on the cover, but that really my story is about if anyone ever is harmed, how do you get better? And that's really what mm. my book is about is just getting better. So what did your family say after you published the book? Unfortunately, my family, even when I was 19 and told my family about that and, and, and now later in life, I'm 53, my family has a really difficult time accepting my story, my truth. Mm. So my book has, for my immediate family, my family has largely ignored my book, but my extended family, uh, interestingly enough, have all read it, which has been really interesting because these are people I'm not particularly close to, but they've read it, which is, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a very serious subject. Well, what advice would you give to someone that's being hurt by a family member and does not know what to do? I think if anyone is listening and they're being hurt by anyone, and that could be physically or mentally, you know, harmed, you need to try to find someone who will listen to you and who will help you get to safety. Um, if you're old enough, you can dial 911. If you're uh, if you're afraid to do that, you can talk to a teacher, you can talk to uh, like a, you know, someone that's close to you, like a policeman or a neighbor or a family member that you trust. I think the important thing is to try to find a way to tell someone as soon as you can. It's really hard. I can tell you it's really, really hard when, especially when someone who might be hurting you tells you that you're going to be in trouble if you say anything then it yeah. becomes really difficult. So you just have to, 
You just have to try and hopefully find someone who will listen. Mm-hmm. So who can you say was the person that helped drive your passion the most? Um, I've had a couple of extraordinary people in my career. I've had a woman called Linda Bardfield, and she's been my mentor for years, and she's a wonderfully creative person. And I also think about my late Grandma Chandler, my Granny Chandler, who was loved stories, loved to tell stories, read stories. And she was always convinced I was going to be a writer. Uh, she would say it all the time. So I think those two women, more than anyone else, has mm -hmm. supported me. Well, what's the best advice that you've ever received? And who gave you that advice? The best advice I ever received was from Bob Hope, who you probably don't even know who that is. He was an actor a long time ago. He was really famous. He had a talk show. He's super famous. And I was at a, a function in high school. I won an award and I went to go receive this award down in LA, which is a big deal because I grew up in a small town. And Bob, they were all these famous people were standing in line, like Buzz Aldrin, a guy who walked on the moon was there. Mm -hmm. and all these famous people were there. Famous to me, not to you. And I went up to Bob Hope's wife and I grabbed her hand to shake it. And I had a really weak kind of wimpy handshake at the time. Mm -hmm. And she grabbed my hand. And she said, oh, no, 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 that won't do. And she pulled me out of the line and she walked me around the corner. And she's like, in this world, women have to know how to shake a hand properly. So she said, give me your hand. And she squeezed my hand really firmly. And she's like, that's how you shake a hand. That's how you get people to remember you. And I've never forgotten her. That's good. So what's the very first job I've ever had? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was probably chores at home. We used to get paid a dollar a month, I think, <laughs> for our chores. And then after that, I'm sure it was babysitting uh, for like $2 an hour, I'm sure. And then after that, um, I had a series of jobs. I was in high school. I was a hotel maid. I helped run an office, all different kinds of jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, was there anything to learn from those jobs that helped you be a better uh, content producer? Yeah, I think just the ability to show up on time, be honest, do a good job. And, and your boss knew that my bosses knew they could rely on me and I was going to do a good job. And I think that that's really the fundamentals of any job is showing up on time and communicating and doing your job to the best of your ability. That's really all it takes to be great at your job. Mm -hmm. So what message do you want to tell children all over the world about doing the work that you do? That there are so many opportunities to be a great storyteller. You can be a producer, a writer, an art director who designs, you know, what films look like. There are, the, you know, you can decide what people wear. Um, I just think it's, it's such an incredible environment to work in this, this creative environment of TV and content and film. Mm -hmm. And that if you want to be work with people who are fun and everyone wants to do their best and have a good time that consider Consider film and TV and content. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break to learn from our sponsors. Over 40 years, Lighthouse Central Florida has provided education, independent life skills, and job training to thousands of Central Floridians who live with blindness or any degree of vision loss. Whether it's picking out clothes in the morning or just moving around your community, 
contact Lighthouse Central Florida at 407-898-2483 or visit them online at lighthousecfl.org. The Tiberia Show would like to thank one of their dedicated sponsors, Custom Designs Orlando. These guys are on Mills Avenue and do all sorts of stuff, ranging from photo ID badges, engraved signs, custom braille ADA signs, vinyl lettering to trophies and awards. The cool part about Custom Designs is they can ship products all over the United States. You can reach them at 407-898-0373 and tell them that Tiberius sent you. And we are back with content consultant, Rebecca Chandler. Rebecca, is there a difference between being a producer and a consultant? There is. I mean, a producer handles a project from the very early beginnings to the very end, and they're ultimately responsible for the delivery of the content, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas a consultant, which is what I totally enjoy, I fly in, I give some opinions, I, you know, I, I make notes and do some things like that, and then I'm done. It's not my burden to carry the project from beginning to end, which mm-hmm. I totally enjoy. Got it. So do you ever get to meet or work with famous people? I work with famous people a lot. And um, what always strikes me about famous people is that they genuinely are very humble, kind, friendly people. Once in a while, you get a brat. But for the most part, everyone's a professional and they're creative people. And they want to be surrounded by people who love what they do. And I think they're really Mm -hmm. fun people. Well, do you ever become a fangirl or are there just like regular people? Do I ever become a fan? Girl. Girl. What does that mean? It's like you're obsessing over them. Like, oh, you know what? Yeah. I definitely, I used to have to film Manchester United uh, football players, right? Soccer players. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of them. I was completely obsessed with them because they were such good football players and they were just at the peak of their game. And I just so enjoyed being able to film them that, yeah, I got a little, uh, I got a little taken away with them for sure. Mm. So if you could go back 10 years and tear saw something, what would it be? <gasps> Ooh, I was living in Kenya. I was, um, have more fun, have more work life balance, take more time off and have a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. So what's the biggest mistake you ever made, and how did it change as a person? The biggest mistake ever? <laughs> There's a list. Uh, the biggest mistake I ever made was not uh, taking care of myself more, working too much, working these crazy, crazy hours for decades, and not having nearly as much fun as I should have been having. So I would encourage everyone, by all means, work hard, but make sure you have plenty of fun in there as well. Mm-hmm. So when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Well, now I'm all about fun. So uh, when I finished my shoot in Egypt a few weeks ago, I went and traveled in Europe for a couple of weeks and saw my friends. I love travel. I love gardening, which sounds kind of boring, but I think when you get to a certain age, it's actually fun. And right now I'm restoring my teak outdoor furniture, which is, I don't know, it's new and kind of fun. And I don't know. I like to do those things. I like to go to Dog Beach down the street and hang out with dogs on the beach. Nice. Well, do you play video games? And if you do, what's your favorite one? 
Okay, so I'm not a player, but I am on Twitch on a regular because I love the Twitch. And I do love watching people play the new Harry Potter game. I'm completely... Yes, yes, you love it too. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And I just love Twitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm amazing. So what's your favorite book to read? My favorite book to read? I read the entire Harry Potter series once a year. Love them. And then that's the only fiction I read. I read a lot of history, a lot of biographies, a lot of those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read books about meditation and stuff. So those are my favorites. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Can you tell me that one story? You know, remember, this is a kid's show. The one story, well, hmm, that you're not supposed to tell me about. Come on, you can tell me. The one story about my life I'm not supposed to tell you about? Okay, I'll tell you this on the down low, right? You ready? I was in uh, Vietnam, minding my business. And at the time, this is 30 years ago, um, you weren't really supposed to go into Laos. Not really. But we got to the border and we thought, mm, this could be fun. Let's just sneak across, right? What could what could go wrong? And so we ended up uh, just kind of walking into Laos, like, hey, how's it going? No visa. Don't pay attention to us. <laughs> Silly girls. And we did end up getting arrested technically. But, but we also ended up making like best friends. And we had a barbecue at the police station. And at the end of it, because we bought all the meat for the barbecue, they let us go back into Vietnam. So, yeah, but don't tell anybody we did that because that's not supposed to happen. So, yeah. Okay. Well, do you have a Facebook or website for Melissa supposed to follow you? Yes. You can find me at Rebecca E. Chandler. Uh, dot com. Don't forget the E in the middle. And all my social handles are there. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me there. Mm hmm. Well, what's that one question that you think I forgot to ask you? Uh, did you, you probably forgot to ask me what my favorite country is. Well, what is it? Okay, I'm going to break hearts with this one. You ready? Are you ready for this news? It's France. I'm completely and totally and utterly in love with France. I was just there. I want to go back there. I want to live in Paris. I'm feeling my inner French coming on. I'm going to start studying French. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for being my special guest. Can you stick around for Math Corners? I'd love it. The Tribius Show would like to thank Boggy Creek Airboat Adventures for being one of our sponsors. I got to go on an airboat and saw a real gator. I even got to go to the gem mine and mine for some gems. We ate a steak dinner at the restaurant even got some gator rights. If you want to have a blast with the entire family, I suggest you go to www.bcairboats.com right now to get your tickets today. The website again is bcairboats.com. Tiberius' favorite subject, it's Math Corners! And thank you, Rebecca, for helping me with Math Corners. This week, we're going to do some more multi-step word problems. My dad is always good at finding new problems for me to solve. Today, we're going to talk about a school auditorium. So, 
Tom is asked to set up the school auditorium for a speaking event. He's supposed to set up 15 round tables and 10 rectangular tables. Each round table has 6 chairs and each rectangular table has 10 chairs. How many chairs will Tom need to set up? Well, first is a real world problem because, you know, schools love getting kids to do all the setup before special events at the auditorium. But to solve this issue, you first have to figure out the number of chairs of round tables. So if it's six per tables, you have to time that by 15. So 15 times six is 90 chairs. And now we turn to the rectangular tables. Now this is much easier since there's 10 chairs and 10 tables. So 10 times 10 is 100 chairs. Now you have to add the two together and you get 100 plus 90, which is 190 chairs total. Tom, I believe is going to be pretty tired, don't you think? <laughs> Very tired. Exhausted. Yes. So, Rebecca, do you ever have time to set up the tables and chairs for your school? Uh, a long time ago, we sure did. That's all we seem to do is put chairs in and out. Mm-hmm. Well, my dear said that I would use math every day. How do you use math in your work? Oh, I budget uh, huge projects from, let's say, $50,000 to $10 million, and I have to decide how to divide that money up and to spread it around all the different requirements. So math is essential and knowing how to use Excel and a spreadsheet is absolutely mm -hmm. critical. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for your help with math corners. Sure. Anytime. So you want to make an ad for your company, right? Yeah, Tiberius, you want to help me? Okay, so what's the name of the company? PPWND. PP what? Professional Pressure Washing and Detailing. So you like clean driveways? Yeah, like that. We pressure wash commercial buildings and semi-truck and trailers. So how would someone get a hold of you? Uh, they can visit my site at ppwnd.com or call me at 407-900-7793. So why just tell them to call you at 407-900-7793 or visit ppwnd.com? Yeah, Tiberius, you got it. Cut! That's a wrap! Just use that! And now it's time for the Heart of a Lion. As you know, we talk about the qualities of living, but the Heart of a Lion, which stands for leadership, integrity, obedience, and nobility. This week, we're going to talk about leadership. For me, I think leadership is the act of loving what is good, having self-control, and being disciplined. The qualities of leadership are providing guidance and direction, organization, and being a positive influence on others. But this week, I saw the setup production and noticed the director sitting in his chair. He was telling everyone what to do from that spot, and everyone just knew what to do, where to go, and based off of just a few words. He used some of the words that I use on my show, stand by one and quiet on the set. So, this was providing guidance and direction and helped ensure everything ran smoothly. So, Rebecca, did you see her use leadership at all this week? I did use leadership this week. I sure did. Mm -hmm. Well, how? Uh, for me, the, the key to leadership is empowering people to be their best selves. And hopefully they're better than me, right? So, they outshine me. So, uh, this week... There was someone who was being um, difficult to work with, I'll say, just kind of complicated. And I just pulled that person aside and I asked them what, what, was, what was fundamentally making them feel uncomfortable about a particular conversation and just reassuring them that the conversation was positive and it was coming from a positive place and that, that and the person I was speaking to had the power to 
step into it and to mm -hmm. be her best self. And I think that's really what leadership is, is just helping people to be their best selves. Mm -hmm. Well, of all the heart of a lion virtues, which is the one that you see the most? Tell me the virtues again. I have to think about this. Leadership, integrity, obedience, nobility. Integrity. You only have your integrity. Because it comes down to whether or not people feel like they can trust you. And if in your integrity is something that you should never surrender, because once you do, it's surrendered forever. Your reputation comes with your uh, integrity. And you just have to always maintain a sense of yourself and identify your boundaries and never cross them, especially in business. Once you cross a boundary, everyone knows you've done it and you can never uh, get, get clear of that. So your integrity for me is the most important thing about a person. Mm -hmm. Well, we should always try and be lying strong in everything we do, shouldn't we? Absolutely. Aw, Dad, my computer's slow again and I can't play my games. Call your computer solutions today and we will scan for viruses and clean that computer up remotely and make it fast again. Our phone number is 407-826-0810. Thanks, Dad. My computer's fast again. Now I can do my homework. Thanks for calling your computer solutions at 407-826-0810. And that's our show, folks. I want to thank the one, the only, the amazing Rebecca Chandler for being thank on my you. show. It has been so much in time today. I think you're going to learn a lot about being a content consultant and being touched on what you do if you're dealing with trauma in your life. Thank you. I had a fantastic time, and I can't wait to hear this episode and many more and see who's up next for your interview. Mm -hmm. Well, no problem. And also, do you mind giving your social media and website again? Uh, my website, RebeccaEChandler.com, and you can find me there. Sweet. So, also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the Tybee Show, and I would like to thank WWPR 1490 AM, KINT 98, Soul Radio 24-7, TV, and all the other stations that air on my show. And please visit the Tybee Show on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Rebecca, have you subscribed yet? I have subscribed. Good. I oh, and be sure to leave a comment on your favorite video, and I will be sure to answer it myself. Also, be sure to join us next week on the Tiberius Show with your host, Tiberius Boy.